Welcome back to another episode, you beautiful human being. I'm so excited for you to be here. I'm trying to get back into the swing of releasing weekly episodes. Life has been a little bit nuts lately, but I'm here, I'm showing up, and I want to share this episode with you. It's been in the bank for a while. I recorded it back in June, but I finally edited it, and as usual, It's a doozy. It's great. I think you're going to learn so much. And before I give it all away, let's roll the intro so you can hear from Vicky O'Neill. G'day and welcome to the Pursuit of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Rosie Burrows, and I'm on a journey to find my freedom so that I can help you do exactly the same. Join me each week as I share the stories of everyday people who have found their own path to freedom. I'm not going to focus on job titles and accolades because I don't care about that stuff and neither should you. I want to uncover what truly makes you tick. Who are you when you step away from society's expectations and follow your heart? I still haven't figured it out yet. Have you? Either way, buckle up because it's going to be one hell of a ride. Hi, Vicky. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing? I am super fantastic. Thanks, Rosie. I appreciate you inviting me to be on the show. Of course. You're such an interesting person, and I can't wait for you to share your story and your experience um, with the listeners. Before we get into that, though, your job title, if we go off that, is a purpose-driven video strategist. Yes. But I'm not huge on job titles and accolades. (laughs) So let's take a step away. And can you tell us who is the true Vicki O'Neill? Who are you? Who am I? Oh, that's a great question. I don't think anybody's actually asked me that before. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Um, Well, it's funny because I just recently added the purpose driven because I started thinking Mm. about who I am and how I want that to come Mm. across instead of just a title. And I genuinely Mm. like helping people. Like I love to help people figure out problems. Um, And I always tell my daughters, I tell people I come across, like when I say I'm really creative, it's by no means an artist. (laughs) I can't make Mm -hmm. anything with my hands. I'm a terrible artist, Um, but I'm very creative when it comes to if there's a problem, I will look at it from every possible scenario to try and come up with a solution. And it's actually something I really enjoy So when I work with people, Mm. you know, that's something that, you know, I bring to the table that they appreciate, which I like. Um, And it's something I'm starting to share more of that with people, just because when you go by a title, people, like you said, you know, you kind of like skim the surface of what that is. And you're just like, who Mm. is she? Like, what can I get from working with you? What's the value you can provide? Um, And I'm always looking to provide value to people. So I, um, yeah. That would be me on like surface level. How deep do you want me to go? <laughs> oh, let's go as much as you're willing to share. Like let's <laughs> let's go in a bit more to this purpose-driven piece. <laughs> I love that you've got that in your in your tagline or whatever you call it on LinkedIn. I don't think many people kind of change it up. There's often very traditional kind of <laughs> taglines there. So tell me more about this purpose-driven piece. Let's go a bit deeper. Yeah, so Um, So what I do is I help people get confident on camera, but then also create videos for, you know, really getting their personal brand out there, whether they're an entrepreneur, they're working Mm. for a company, because we're each, you know, individual people. And even if you work for an actual brand or someone else, you yourself are your own personal brand. So I think it's important to protect that. But also, I think it's important for people to share who they are and really put them, it's hard for people to put themselves out there. So I completely understand that. Um, And I empathize with that because I've been there before Mm. too. But when we can put ourselves out there and allow people like you and I right now, we're on camera, you know, I mean, I'm moving my hands and, you know, if somebody's listening, they're not going to know that, but, (laughs) you know, you can like my facial expression, you can see me, you can, you know, you're listening, you can, hear me and it gives you a more comprehensive experience when somebody's on video and it mm-hmm. helps build that know, like, and trust factor a lot faster. Um, 
So keeping that in mind and, and thinking, here's how I can help you, there's there's purpose behind what I do. It's not just, hey, you need to be on video. It's not, hey, let me just help you grow your brand. It's let, here's the reasons why it's important for you to be on video. And let's talk about it because like your situation is different than my situation, then it's different than everybody else's. So when I go forward with, you know, I'm, I'm not here to just tell you to be on video and why you have to be consistent. You know, let's get down to the reason why it's important to you. And it goes deeper. You know, it's about, you know, what goals are you trying to achieve? How are you going about doing it now? What's working? What's not working? And there was somebody recently, um, I can't, I can't remember who it was because it was in one of my uh, like group chats that I'm in. Um, and somebody had attended my last challenge, my video challenge. And um, she was actually a guest speaker. Oh, it was Karen Ann Bullock. And she was just like, she had said in one of her calls, she's just like, yeah, I went ahead and took Vicky's advice and, and got on video and she put it on LinkedIn. And she's like, that has been my highest engaging post to date. And it was wow. the first video that she had posted. Wow. So it, you know, goes to show that people are paying attention and people want to see her or you or me, you know, and they want to get to know us better. So when you go forward like that and you have a purpose for actually being on camera, then it kind of takes your your need or your desire to actually do more with your business or your personal brand to a whole new level. Mm. I know for me, I, I find I connect with people a lot better through video. Yeah. It's just a great way to connect. And you were talking about how it builds the, builds the know, like, and trust factor. Mm -hmm. But how, how do you get over that fear of being on camera? Can you, can you get over it? You can, and it's different for each person too. There might've been somebody who had a bad experience with being on camera, or it's someone who has just never done it before. So they're not sure like what that awkwardness is that it's okay to experience when you first get on camera. Um, so really it's just kind of taking it down to that, that really basic level. Um, and when I, when I try to get people to be on camera, it's going with the thought of, you don't need to post this anywhere. You know, this is just for you to get comfortable with pressing record. You know, I tell people like, mm -hmm. if you're going to go out and run a marathon, you don't just go out and run a marathon. You know, if you're never right. ran before, you know, you've got to figure out, you know, or if you're trying to push yourself to do it, you know, sometimes it's not even going out and running that first day. Sometimes it's just putting on your shoes and saying, you know, that I goal accomplished today and really breaking it down into smaller steps. So with video, helping people get more confident on camera, sometimes it's just saying, you know what, just hold out your phone and it doesn't even have to be on them. You know, just press record, walk around your office or your home or wherever you're at, record a seven or 10 second video, don't say anything, just record it. And then the next time maybe do the same thing and talk so you can hear your own voice. Right. The next time you know, actually put, you know, so that's just kind of like working up to that point where if they gain confidence, but then also letting them know that feeling awkward is okay, because that it is awkward, right? <laughs> I mean, right is, now yeah. I'm looking at this, you know, this camera on my camera. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at a camera. <laughs> yeah, <But it's>, right. <laughs> doing that, it, you know, it feels awkward at first, especially if there's no one that you're talking to. You know, you and I are having a mm -hmm, conversation, mm -hmm. but. Um, you know, this, it's part of the process, you know, every new thing is going to feel awkward until you actually do it more often. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get and, and the better you'll get. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I'm a huge advocate for pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and what you were saying about just doing it in small steps. That's <laughs> exactly right. And I think the more you do something, the more comfortable you get with going outside of your comfort zone and the further exactly. you can go each time. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Probably the same thing with podcasts, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Like my first podcast, I felt very awkward and very uh, conscious of, of the words I was using and things like that. But I'm, you know, maybe 20 episodes in now and more comfortable. It's certainly not perfect, but you just get less caught up on it and you do get better over time. Yeah. And there's this great thing, whether it's podcasting or video, called editing. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. <laughs> you can edit exactly. it now. <laughs> yeah. 
That's exactly right. <laughs> so true. And we're our, we're our own worst critics, aren't we? Really, oh, yeah. I don't think anybody else is going to be as critical of our videos or our podcast mm-hmm. as as we are. Mm-hmm. Where did your interest in video start? How did that come about? Yeah. So, I mean, video's been popular more. I think more so over the last five to 10 years, of course, it's grown in popularity over time. Um, And I tried Mm. to get on, well, I got on video, but I started my very first YouTube video was in 2011. And I share it on LinkedIn with people to show them that here was my very first video and it's completely different than my videos today. Um, Mm -hmm. And because of the anxiety and and I can just feel it now thinking about like every time I think about putting myself back in that situation, I'm like, oh my God. Um, and it, because of that, I was like, this isn't worth it. So I didn't post another mm. video for, it was like almost a year, maybe over a year. Went through the process again, because again, I saw the value of video and that more and more people were doing it. Right. So it was in 2012 and I'm like, all right, I can do this. Terrible video, terrible lighting. I'm like, what was I thinking? And I even had somebody who was a photographer at the time, like, help me get everything set up. And I just, I was like, oh my God. So same thing, anxiety. I don't like this, trying to memorize the entire script. And I sounded unnatural. And I'm like, I just, no. (laughs) So fast forward to, um, well, 2018, I started my podcast. I'm like, how can I leverage this a little bit more? And in 2020, when the pandemic had, of course, we're all, you know, at home. And um, are you familiar with Pat Flynn? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So with Smart Passive Income. So I had been following him and he decided he was going to go and he just started it. He didn't have a plan on going live every single day for 365 days in a row, but he did. So I was joining and then I was connecting with people and we were all kind of like challenging each other. Like, hey, are you going to go live? Are you going to try this? Not to go every day, but just to do like a live stream, like maybe once a week. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. So I went ahead. And I think it was in April. I decided to go live once a week, every week for the rest of the year. So I did. <laughs> and again, it was awkward because, you know, you press record and you're live and you're like, is anybody mm. going to be here? Is anybody going to show yeah. up? Um, there's always that fear, right? And uh, so, again, you just get comfortable with it and you, you get used to it and you get over it. And you just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to realize the power of starting with video to create podcast episodes. Because I could create a video and abstract the audio and create a podcast episode. So I was looking for ways to like simplify the process. And um, so that was working. So I'm like, all right, now I can do, uh, you know, upload videos. So I, I became this like, I was doing way too much with content. <laughs> I was creating videos to upload, live streaming, podcasting, posting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to actually focus on, you know, my business and, you know, helping more people. So um, with the video, I just decided that I was going to upload videos on YouTube once a week and, you know, just created topics. They were varying lengths. You know, there were some that were like maybe three minutes and others that were, you know, 12 minutes. I had, you know, some demos on there that were like 40 minutes. In fact, I... (laughs) I should have focused on HubSpot because I I was doing a demo on the free version of HubSpot. I was was coaching people and training people on how to use um, HubSpot at the time. I'm like, I'll just do a demo. So it's become my number one, like viewed number of comments, liked videos, like of all time. And um, I'm like, I should have just gone all in on that, like on my YouTube channel. But, um, you know, there's just different types of videos that I've gotten Um, used to creating over time and Mm -hmm. with short form video being more popular and more engaging today that's where I've you know I've kind of created my focus and and spend time there with people I think that was a long-winded answer (laughs) no I I love it and something I want to go back to is you're talking about how you were doing all the things you know you were doing so much Mm -hmm. so what helped you get clear and narrow your focus a bit because I think this is something a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. I mean, one, I was just exhausted. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm. sometimes you just have to take a step back, right? And, and realize that, like, what am I doing? 
you know, what's working mm. and what's not working. And I'm like, I just don't want to do all this stuff. Um, and although podcast was actually my highest lead generator at the time, it was something I enjoyed mm. the least. So wow. I decided yeah. I just kind of took and I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to take a break from the podcast. You know, I'm going to focus on video was like exhausting to me too, but um, it was at the end of 2021. So I stopped the live streaming. I was only focusing on the videos and figuring out a process, how I could use my video content and actually create content for LinkedIn. And I was on Facebook at the time. I don't know. I don't think I was on Twitter, but uh, so just the different platforms, you know, how can I leverage when I'm already spending time creating and actually, you know, replicate that, repurpose it. Um, so it, it was that kind of realization of like, I'm doing way too much. I wasn't spending enough time in my business. I was spending way too much time creating right. content. And um, so I think it's just, you know, take a step back and be like, do I really need to be doing all this? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's something I struggle with all the time, but taking a step back is so useful, yes. I think. So you've experienced that too, though, right? Oh, yeah, all the time. And I think what's helped me the most is getting clear on my values or what's important to me. Like I haven't always been crystal clear on that. And that's when I start saying yes to all the opportunities and doing all the things and just getting so busy and burnt out. But once I get clear on what's important to me, it's like, well, I don't have space in this for this in my life. This isn't getting me closer to where I want to be, whether that's in business or personal life. And that kind of just makes it easier. Not that it's not challenging to say no to things and get rid of them. Like I'm sure when you decided to stop your podcast, I'm sure that was a difficult decision because from what I understand, it was, it used to be something you really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was. And, um, you know, I saw more and more people to starting podcast. So I was like, if I stop, that means other people are going to catch up to me because <laughs> I stopped at my hundredth episode. I was just like, all right, I'll go until I have 100. So, you know, I stopped after 100 and took a break. And I'm like, but now I I feel like people are going to be like, why aren't you doing this anymore? So it was it was kind of like the fear of missing out, but also my competitive yes. spirit. <laughs> like, now I need to keep yeah, I can relate. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I was just like, no, I mean, for my mental health, actually, because it was just, it was mm. when you st you start liking something and you get to the point where you don't like it anymore. That's when you're just like, something's just not right with this. So I had to kind of reevaluate my situation too, just to figure out, you know, what what I actually enjoyed doing and what people wanted to see more of from me. Um, and then to your point, you know, also that um, matched my values and my goals. So it's full reevaluation. It's a process, isn't it? <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. But I think... I think it's worth it. Like you say, it does take a toll on your mental health. And for me, like my physical health and just your overall happiness, like you really, you got to keep yourself in check and do those reevaluations, I think. Yes. All the time because stuff changes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's okay. I think that's important. Right, right. It is okay. I think change is good. Um, it just makes things a little bit difficult at times, <laughs> but also can be a great thing. Yeah. I think it's important to let people know too that if you are, if you have gotten to that point where you're, you're just spinning your wheels and trying to create, you know, content or trying to be on all the different platforms at the same time, that it's okay to not do that anymore. Like you need to protect, you know, your creativity, your sanity, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better word, um, and still serve the people who need to hear and see what you have to offer, how you can help them. Um, and I think that sometimes people get caught up in that where they're like, well, I'm in all these different mm. places. I've got to keep putting it out here. And it's like, you really don't, you know, what, just look at what's performing the best and then do more of that. Right. And I, that resonates with me so much. You know, I used to listen to, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary V. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, yeah, of course, <laughs> you know, he's very much, you know, be on all the platforms and put out. I can't even remember the number he says, but a ridiculous amount of content every day. And it's, 
it's overwhelming. Like I, I hear what he's saying, but also I'm not so sure that's sustainable for me. So it's refreshing to hear your take on it. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah valuable advice for people. Yeah, it's uh, and, and Gary Vee doesn't in that statement of saying you need to put out eight to ten pieces of content on every single platform every single day. He's leaving out the critical piece to actually making that happen is he's got teams dedicated mm-hmm. to each platform. Right. So he may be yeah. the one creating yeah. the content, but there was a video I watched on YouTube of um, one of his cameramen. You know, so he's got people who follows mm-hmm. him around um, with camera yeah. and, you know, records content. And so this gentleman was um, being interviewed on a YouTube channel and he was talking about, you know, how he's got the different teams. And then this gentleman in particular, I can't remember if he was for Instagram or TikTok, but he was doing the camera work and creating content for only one channel. And they had a team of three or four people dedicated to that one channel. And it became like, you know, everybody on all the teams had one place where they were, it was kind of like a content dump. And then, so Gary would Mm -hmm. do what he needed to do. His teams would do what they needed to do. And then Gary would go in and actually say, here are the content pieces I want, make them great. And then he'd have other people do. So he leaves that piece out. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty important piece. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, you know, if I work, I don't compare myself to him at all because he's way beyond, you know, me. But if I were to do that, I have to put that into perspective that he's at, let's just call it, you know, step 100 or chapter 100. And I'm at step 10. You know, we're in completely different places. So to compare myself to him and where he is, it's just, it's unrealistic. And I think that's another thing that people do too, is they compare and then it creates this, um, it's a level of depression and, you know, just mm. trying to measure up when you're measuring against the wrong things. Yeah, I, I've definitely fallen into the comparison trap before and I can pretty confidently say I don't think it has ever served me well comparing myself to others. <laughs> I think that's important for people to know too, right? Yeah, we all compare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do, yeah, yeah. yeah. We just can't fall into that trap too much. Let's shift gears a little bit because I know you haven't always been running your own business. Mm -hmm. And what stood out to me the first time we spoke is you said to me, Rosie, I went through three huge life transitions or changes in the space of 10 months. Mm -hmm. And a lot happened for you and a lot changed. So would you be comfortable taking us back and what happened? Yeah. I'm still processing all that, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Because how long ago was this? So this was in, um, so we're in May of 2023. This was in June of 2021. And yes, so first first off, you know, any one person, there's like studies that have been done that say any one person should only encounter like one major life change like in a year. Or within a certain time frame right. um, to maintain, you know, stability, sanity, whatever. Um, so when you know when we were talking, I said I had three. Um, the reason why I mentioned it too is to you know help people, anyone who's listening, to understand that you can process you know difficult changes, um, and and the importance of that is to you know surround yourself with people who care and can support you um, in doing that. So with that said, in June of 2021, um, huge life pivot, unexpected, um, had to move um, out of my mm-hmm. home into a new home. So that was, you know, major life change. And mm-hmm. so that was the first thing. Um, and that was that was very disruptive. I'm very much a homebody. Like I, I love being mm. at home. <laughs> that's where I get my, yeah, me that's too. where I feel comfortable. Um, I like to go out too, but like if I, anybody's just like, okay, if you had to be one place, it would be at home. Um, so for mm. that to happen to me, one, it's huge, but then also it was taking away my, my core foundation. Like it was basically like yanking it mm. from underneath me. I had a very short amount of time in which I had to make that change. Mm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And then it was forced, if we need to put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. That. Um, then, uh, so that was in June of 2021. And then um, I was approached about a job. Um, so I'm in Ohio, and this job was in Virginia, mm-hmm. so in the United States. Um, and then that was in August, or I'm sorry, September of 2021. I, I got the job in August. I, I moved to Virginia in September of 2021. Wow. So that was the second uh-huh. big change, and it was out of state. Which, so it just a couple they, of months later. <laughs> yeah, just a couple months later. <laughs> yeah. The company I went to work for... Um, during the six months that I was working with them, so short amount of time, uh, had moved mm. already. <laughs> during those six oh, wow. months, there was a company that was trying to take them over. And it was, if you look at like news headlines, they were saying it was a hostile takeover. So in hostile mm. takeovers, they're trying to make change as quickly as possible. And part of that was my boss, who was the president of our company, um, was handed a list from his boss saying, hey, here are the people that you need to let go. No choices. And it was the same day. He didn't know it was coming. So list was handed to him. And he had to tell these individuals that today was their last day. And I happened to be one of those people. So that was the third thing. <laughs> you go from having a job to not having a job. Um, and then I ended up moving back. So I don't know if you want to count that as like a fourth or. <laughs> yeah, or I think that counts. <laughs> yeah. But just moving out of state, that was the very first time that I'd ever done that. So it was exciting. Wow. But at the yeah. same time, mm-hmm. it was just like, I didn't have enough time to process the other things that were going on. So you know, it was just a matter mm-hmm. of, you know, mm-hmm. saying, okay, this is exciting and focusing on the positive of what that was. And then when I was let go, it was. I think this is happening for a reason. So I had to kind of like tap into, you know, it, it's fine. You know, a matter of what you tell yourself, again, surround yourself with people who are supportive and understanding and caring. Mm. Um, and that really helped a lot with each of those transitions. Um, and I, I don't really talk about that much with like my daughters or like my family or anything like that. But, you know, when you think about like just you know, kind of put yourself in that situation. Like if today you were told you have to get out and two and, and you had two days to like pack up your life and move. And then, you know, mm. a few months later, you then are, you know, recruited for a job that you have to move out of state for, you know, so kind of put yourself in those, in those situations and try and imagine how that would feel and like how you would work through those issues or those challenges. Um, and even though there's a positive side to each one of those, each one was, you know, it was a challenge. Um, many mm. days of crying, <laughs> many days of just being like, yeah. I can do this. You know, a lot of, there was self-doubt, there was self-encouragement, there was, um, you know, just a lot of emotional roller coasters, highs and lows, but a lot, during mm. those that time frame, there were a lot more lows. So I think just focusing on people, in, uh, you know, even though I like to be at home, making sure I was having conversations with people was actually really helpful because, you know, if you don't talk to people, then you get in your own head, <laughs> or at least I do. Yes. And it becomes yeah, a uh, very quick downward spiral. Um, and if mm. you can't be aware of that enough, then it could, you know, continue that way. But I knew that what it was doing to me, and I knew that I had to do something different in order to reverse Mm. that process. Um, But I also recognized the importance that I needed to process things that I was going through. So when I said before I started this part of the conversation where I'm like, I'm still processing it, you know, it's a matter of saying, you know, you kind of look at self-check, you know, how am I doing today Mm -hmm. compared to, and this is when comparing yourself is okay. (laughs) It's comparing yourself to a different version of yourself. So if I compare myself today to the person I was a year ago, I am doing so much better. But the reason why I also Mm. mentioned that is that if you look back at like my content or the videos, I was still showing up. And sometimes you have to put on your acting at and just you know, so it's just me. Like I'm not, I don't have somebody else providing an income for my life. 
And sometimes you have to just do that. You know, it's just, it's a matter of survival. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as challenging as it can be, you know, you really have to figure out a way to keep moving forward. And Mm -hmm. so when I tell people, you know, that, you know, who have been following me and we have a conversation, I'm like, yeah, it was like really difficult. They're like, we had no idea. I'm like, good. <laughs> like, I don't want to come across <laughs> online as being like, I'm going, that's, it's not me. You know, that's not my personal brand of yeah. being like, hey, in, in everything that I'm doing. Um, that's mm. stuff that, you know, I think you need to go through, you know, personally and not necessarily publicize, you know, your entire life. But right. um, there are people who needed to hear what I say. You know, I was sharing at that time from a, you know, a work perspective. So I wanted to make sure that I was continuing to show up for them. Mm. Yeah, and I think what you were saying is is really important about not sharing everything mm-hmm. online. For some people, they're comfortable with that, but I think boundaries, no matter who you are, are so important. Yeah. And I think some people who are a bit weary of video is, yeah, they don't want to share their whole life. But the great thing is you don't have to. No. <laughs> you set the boundaries. <laughs> yeah, you yourself can determine what you talk about. Yeah, exactly. Funny that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I imagine that, you know, these huge life changes you went through in an abstract sort of way, it's, I imagine it's, you know, it's a type of grieving in a way because you've lost something and and you're changing. And I know, you know, I read recently on your LinkedIn that you lost your mum at a young age and I lost both my parents at a young age as well. And I think Events like that, or at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, have really put into perspective how fragile life is and that a lot isn't in our control, but also how important it is to take control of the things that that we can. And I'd love to hear your take on whether you think losing your mum so young has influenced your perspective on life at all. Yeah, definitely. And and first I want to say, I'm sorry to hear that you lost your parents at a young age, especially both of them. So I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. I mean, I guess that connects us on a, on a, in an unfortunate way, but I always, I actually really enjoy talking to people who've been through something similar because it's just this instant connection, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So when she passed away, um, interesting, myself and my husband at the time, um, we were actually living with my mom and dad because we were having our first house built. And there was like a gap time between lease was up and like, I think it was a couple of months or something before our house Mm -hmm. was going to be ready for us to move into. And at that time, I'm trying to think, I don't know timing wise, but um, I think it was during the time after like she was given like three months, she had lung cancer, but she was a non-smoker. I always like to mention that. Wow. Um, but she lived in a secondhand smoke household growing up. So I think that was a contributing factor mm. to it. We had moved in. And for me, I saw it as like a gift. Like I, I get this time with my mom and know that, you know, it's limited. So let's, you know, I was fortunate in that way that we knew that the end was within a certain time frame. Um, and that's mm-hmm. either good or bad, you know, to they're both bad, you know, whether yeah. it's tragically sudden or it's, you know, planned and, you know, you know what's going to happen. Mm. But it gave me time to have, you know, some one-on-one with her. Um, but, mm. you know, when I kind of fast forward through all the years, like there have been so many times where I'm like, God, I wish my mom was here that I could ask her, you know, this question yeah. or, you know, whether it was raising my daughters or it was, you know, relationship-wise or she probably wouldn't have been able to help so much with work. <laughs> now, she was very much like uh, both my parents, you know, because they grew up in the, um, or they raised us like in the 70s. So in, in the U.S. Mm. in the 1970s, it was a very challenging economy. So, you know, I grew up mm. with not having a lot and also my parents doing everything they could to provide for the family, even though neither one had mm. a college degree. So... My mom was the type of person who I didn't realize it at the time. Both of them were kind of entrepreneurial. 
my mom, my mom would be the one who'd be like, all right, we need to make some money because I want to take my family, you know, the family of six on our final family vacation before the oldest, my, you know, my older sister um, graduated from high school. So it was like the final one. And so it was just like she yeah. was making crafts and selling them at craft shows. And she was doing um, like wallpapering houses when that was popular. Um, you know, she was catering. Wow. So like she would do different jobs of things that she enjoyed mm. and would find ways to make money. So from that perspective, she was very creative and it was just like, all right, well, it would be kind of nice to have, you know, different moments throughout life where I could be like, hey, and maybe run an idea buyer or be like, hey, how did you decide that you wanted to do catering versus, you know, something else? Um, so that kind of uh -huh. stuff, I feel like I kind of missed out on and my sisters. And then also, you know, my mm -hmm. daughters, they never got to know her. And there've been so many times mm. where I'm just like, you just don't understand what it was like growing up. <laughs> and I'm like, you can hear it from my mom. <laughs> yeah. That would help. Yes, exactly. But she was also kind of like my, my grounding person. So if I was like mm. overly excited about something, she would call me down real quick. And it was kind of like, okay, the excitement's over. Like, let's get back to, you know, getting things done. <laughs> you can't stay up there too long. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back. Um, <laughs> right, wrong, or indifferent. That was just how she was. And uh, so mm -hmm. there have been many times, you know, you can relate to that too with your mom and your dad, just wishing that they were there at some point where you could actually ask a question mm -hmm. or be like, what was it like? You know, I don't remember, you know, when I was seven or, you know, whatever. Um, but then also just mm. to have my daughters get to know them. Like, I would have loved to have them get to know my mom. But, you know, it's just something that I know she's looking over us. So I, I stay focused on that. I want to go back to something you said. You were talking about, you know, the the difference between when you sort of know that death is coming and, and when it's unexpected and that neither one of those is easy. And I I just want to bring that up because it's so important, you know, um, when my dad died, it was un it was a freak accident and very unexpected. And with mum, we had some warning. It was still unexpected, but she got a terminal um, brain cancer diagnosis. But we had six months together. Mm. And, you know, people sort of compare the two with me sometimes, which I find bizarre, about, you know, it must have been worse not having any warning. And I – it's just different. Mm -hmm. And one thing I want to say is that, whether your parents die young, old, no matter when it is, we are never ready. I don't think you can ever be ready for something like that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it's like, you know, when that does happen, whether it's suddenly or it's planned for, it's a matter of, I just think surrounding yourself with people, you know, that can support you and care about you and it, maybe not understand. Like if someone hasn't lost a parent, it's really hard to empathize with the situation. Mm. Um Sometimes just being there to like listen is the best thing that you can do for people. And I know that's hard for totally people. Totally agree. <laughs> it is. I think as people, especially as women, we just want to fix things. You know, we want to help. Um, but, you know, I think for anyone listening who has a person in their life who has lost a loved one recently and you're unsure how to support them, just listening. Yeah is the biggest help i think um just giving them a voice like you can't fix it you can't make it better it's going to be crappy and that's you know grief is is a journey <laughs> it doesn't go away but if you can be there and listen and i think i would agree with you just surrounding yourself with people is helpful i i tend to be a fiercely independent person and don't like asking for help but surrounding myself with people it's always helpful. You don't get stuck in those negative thoughts as much. Mm -hmm. You and I have that in common as well, being very independent, having a hard time asking yeah. people for help. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, one thing I, I found, people would often say to me, oh, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. And you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I will. You never do. <laughs> and what I actually found, one person, I can't even remember who it was, said to me, what can I do to help? And they, I had to answer the question. <laughs> it wasn't yes. And I actually yeah. found that, yeah. And it was, sometimes I'd say, because it happened more than once, I'd say, oh, I don't know. But other times I'd be like, oh, can you just 
can you help me make dinner or something just simple, you know, so I think that can be helpful too. I mean, would you have any advice for people who are, who are trying to support someone grieving? Yeah, I think and that was a great question to ask, like, what can I do to help or um, how can I help? How can I help you right now? How can I help you today? Like leaving yes, it yes. an open-ended question. And even if they do say, I don't know, um, just making sure that that's not the last time that you ask them or that you check mm-hmm. in on them because every, as we know, um, everybody grieves differently. And knowing that somebody could be going through a hard time, um, but just they don't let, they don't let it show. Um, and there's a lot of people that do. I was actually just reading an article about that last night. Do you know who Twitch is? Who was on the Ellen Show? Um, no. So he, uh, are you familiar with Ellen DeGeneres and the talk show that mm-hmm. she used to have? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Twitch, um, and I think it was Stephen Boss. His, his real name was Stephen, but they called him Twitch. Um, and he was like, mm-hmm. he, he looked like he was like a DJ, but he never did like the music, but he danced a lot. He was an right. excellent dancer. He was in different movies. Um, and he passed away he, by suicide this past December. And, and for some reason, his name came up yesterday when I was having dinner with my daughter. And um, so we looked it up because mm. I'm like, I wonder what, you know, if they ever decided like what had happened, like, you know, why? Because mm. he seemed happy. He's a dancer. Mm. It's endorphins. Like those are things that make you happy. And um, so I was reading an article on it and they were just like, you know, we, we looked at his last, because him and his wife are great dancers. So they were always posting on Instagram and TikTok. And if you yeah. look at his last video, which was an hour before he committed suicide he was dancing with his wife and then his message that was the thing that kind of like you know may have been like a not really a sign but when you look back you're like okay it could have been a sign Mm. um but it goes Mm. to show you that he was smiling he was dancing he was you know acting fine with his wife in this video just like all the other ones and it's proof you know one instance that no one had a clue that he was struggling, you know, um, mentally or emotionally or anything. And when we have people in our lives who are close to us that pass away, just checking in that one time to be like, how are you doing? What can I do? It's great to do that, but it can't stop that one time, you know, just making sure that they're okay and, and keep, you know, offering or, you know, even take them something or see if you could take them somewhere to run errands just to get out of the house or, in it something right yeah we never know Mm -mm. what people are going through and I think a lot of us are so great at masking it and putting a face on and you know the story you just shared of twitch is a heartbreaking example of that you know he outwardly he seems so happy and vibrant just an hour before Mm -hmm. yeah dying by suicide Mm -hmm. so I think that's a it's a timely reminder to check in with your loved ones right and don't it's not a one-off Yes, exactly. <laughs> it needs to be again and again. And you might drive them nuts, but hey, it's you're showing them you love them and yes. you can. In my mind, I think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be probably be at yeah. some point, you know, if it's, you know, somebody who's dealing with grief can actually, you know, mention later on, like, hey, you know, I know I didn't thank you earlier when you were kind of in my face or asking me constantly about, you know, if I was okay. But they'll yeah. appreciate it at some point, you know, so just – Make, you know, definitely feel like you're doing the right thing. And at some point, you know, it'll be recognized, not that you need that, but um, you know, just to, to know that it's making a difference. You're now in this amazing business that you seem really happy in and it's really purpose driven, which I love. But obviously it was a bit of a tumultuous journey to get there. And I want to talk about what you might call the secure paycheck fallacy. You know, we all think that it's safe to have this paycheck and work for somebody else. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm not so sure I agree that it's as secure as we think. Um, I would agree with you. It is not. (laughs) The uh, sudden loss of job, that's happened to me twice. Um, And I think that it's, and it it happens to a lot of people, right? So, 
you know, we could look at all these major companies over the last six to 12 months that have laid off like tens or hundreds of thousands of people. And a lot of times it's without notice. Um, but when you work for another company, it seems like you've got security because you get that, you know, you might be used to that paycheck coming in every two weeks or whatever that mm-hmm. time frame is. But honestly, if you look at it from a company perspective, you're a commodity, like you're easily replaceable. If you're doing a job that other people applied for or other people could do, then you don't have any job security. That's a concept from 50 years ago where there actually was more Mm -hmm. job security. But today, because there's so much change and there's so many options and there's so many people looking for jobs or, you know, you know, anything, a way to make money, um, you're easily replaceable. So, I mean, (laughs) if anybody wants to argue that, I would love to have a conversation about it, but it's (laughs) me too. (laughs) Yeah. We can all do this. We can just have a group conversation about <laughs> pros and cons. Um, but yeah. I would just say don't get too confident unless you're the actual like president or owner of the company. Because even if you're a mm. VP level, you know, your time, your days could be numbered there and you may not even know it. Um, and that's, yeah. you know, it's part of the problem. The communication and the, um, you're just easily dispensable. Let's put it that way. Definitely. And you experienced that in just one day. You went from having a job to not. Yeah. No notice. Exactly. Um, it, it, it's as quick as that. Let's talk about how that compares to running your own business. Because I would love to say that it solves all our problems. But let's have some real talk. Let's talk about the good and bad. Walk us through that. Yes, it, it, they're completely different. So you may think that having your own business is more of a security blanket, and it can be to a certain degree. But if you're building a business, the security is not there. Like you're still, you know, scrapping to try and find business or trying to, you know, get products into people who need them, create awareness that you even exist. As we know, online, it's more and more challenging to stand out or even get people to see or notice us, let alone try and sell something to them so that we can actually, you know, pay the bills. <laughs> so, you know, and if you've got an established business, then you have to worry about how are you going to continue to serve them, you know, or stay competitive or stay on top of technology or new Um, offers that could be out there, whether you're selling physical products or, you know, services, it's an ongoing, um, you have to be okay with one, things not going well, um, two, adapting constantly because you can't get too comfortable in any one situation. Uh, Even if you're somebody who just focuses on LinkedIn, if you're on LinkedIn, you know, Mm -hmm. the algorithm changes constantly, which means you have to change constantly. If you're coaching people, on LinkedIn, how to maximize your reach and use of LinkedIn, right? And it's the same with anything. Um, I mean, it's a constantly moving target. So I think you have to be okay with change and you have to be okay with uncertainty Mm. and taking risks and being okay with the income that comes in not being the same from, you know, it's not even week to week or every two weeks, it's day to day. Right, depending on what your offers are, yeah. when you're, you know, opening the opportunity for people to, you know, buy from you, so it's it's mm. a struggle. You know, you, I I personally think that you have to be mentally strong to start your own business. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be mentally weak and expect to start your own business and that everything is going to go great and there's not going to be any obstacles. You're not going to have any failures. You have to be okay with failing. Like that's just it should be. <laughs> Before you can establish any first customer, before you could establish your LLC or your company or whatever, it should be stated that you have to be okay with failing and you have to adapt and you have to be okay with that too. Like, I just don't think people understand that that's part of the process. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally agree. And despite all of that, both you and I have chosen this path, but to someone listening, that might sound terrifying. So would you warn everybody not to start their own business or what's your what's your take? <laughs> Great follow-up question because now I'm like, yeah, you're right. I did make it sound really terrifying. I like to terrify people <laughs> when it comes to being real, right? I mean, you don't want to sugarcoat yeah, it and then people yeah. get, get the wrong expectations. No. 
But the good side of having your own business is that you control your destiny. So if you want to start off selling widgets and then you want to switch and all of a sudden become a social media guru, you can do that, right? You've got that flexibility and you don't have to report to anybody and you don't have to get approvals and you don't have all these different layers that you have to go through to get one small change approved that now is out of date by the time it gets approved. So I think that's the good side of it. So you get to work with the people that you want to, you get to offer the you know services or products that you want to, you get to charge what you want to. You can determine what time of day you want to work or how many hours in a day you want to work. Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. benefits to that. And I think that's, I think the time, you know, the amount of time that people work in a day or just the work hours is one of the biggest reasons why people decide that they want to, you know, start their own business, that and how much money they might be able to make. I would say those are probably the two top factors for people. Yeah. Such a good point. I know for me, I, I work whenever I want. I'm not restricted to the nine to five and you have to come into the office. You know, if I want to work at 11 p.m. at night because I'm awake and buzzing, I can. Yeah. If I want to sleep in till lunchtime, I can. And for me, I love that. It brings so much joy to my life. And just even though there's a lot of pressure and there's so many stresses of having a business, I just feel freer. I think that's really important that you just said right there. over that time. Is the happiness side of it, right? For sure. And on that, how would you say your happiness or just life in general has shifted now that you have your own business compared to, I don't know, maybe where you were before these three huge life changes just, you know, chucked a few right hooks at you? Yeah. (laughs) I would say I'm like a ton (laughs) happier. Um, I think that amount of time, though, also has the circumstances weren't needed. The time was needed. So two years ago, I was still trying to figure things out. Um, And then, you know, two years ago to today, I'm kind of doing the same thing, but not really. I'm just doing it a little bit differently and I'm focusing in on video. So before it was just kind of like digital marketing and now it's like video because I see a huge opportunity with that. And then, of course, AI Mm. (laughs) making life easier. Yeah, true. (laughs) Going to make life and videos easier. Um, So Mm. I think that's, you know, I mean, it's just come. I don't want to say full circle, but I feel a lot more joy and happiness, purpose. Like even saying that right now, like I got really excited. You know, I was talking about before like yeah. that. It was like it was giving me anxiety. Like right now I'm talking about it. I'm like I'm excited about what I'm doing, about mm. what I'm doing moving forward. The people that I work with, like that brings me joy. That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Like that fills me with joy just hearing it. <laughs> For people – listening who are maybe stuck in a job that isn't feeling aligned, they know they want to change, but they're terrified or they don't know what to do. What would your advice be to help them move forward? Another great question. You're so good at this. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, I would say to research, you know, online, Um, If it's something that makes sense on LinkedIn or Instagram or wherever that, depending on what you want to do or just, you know, trying to figure things out, I would say to spend time on those different platforms, research, um, you know, what it is that you're considering, see, you know, if there are other people out there doing it and that's okay because you'll want to go and you'll actually want to connect with them and you'll want to learn from them and even like ask them questions and, you know, really just do the due diligence up front. Um, before you actually take that leap, because you want to make sure that you're not going to leave a job and then kind of go into something where you don't know if you're going to be making any money. That's just a quick Mm -hmm. downward spiral to nowhere. (laughs) So making sure that you have a way that you're actually going to make money um, and then kind of having a cushion there, you know, at first, Mm -hmm. um, just in case things don't go as planned as we both know, you know, things typically don't go as you expect. Um, (laughs) But that's okay. Um, You know, just start small. And I would say start it as, you know, whatever you decide to do to start it while you're still working your corporate job and um, kind of build it up so that you understand what you might be getting into full time because you've already experienced it part time. I think that's really sensible advice that like that's so wise. So, yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. Because I think what you don't want to happen is reach a point where it's too late 
to be doing your due diligence and the research and building up financial runway. Like if you hit that wall and you can't work because you're so burnt out and, you know, you, you just can't, that's when you're not in a great position. So if you can be proactive and start taking those steps now, it's going to make the transition so much easier. Yes. Or at least I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just makes sense though too, right? Now, one more thing that I want to touch on before we sign out is – You've mentioned risk and um, uh, fear. How do we get better at dealing, at taking risks and at facing our fears? Because I feel like these two things are key for personal growth. Would you agree with that? I agree. And how do we get better at it? Yeah. (laughs) Mm. I agree. I would say too, I mean, it's hard to say to get used to fear and um, that's true. Yeah. You know, it, I think a lot of times fear holds us back, though, from doing something. So really, I would say calculated risks that, you know, is gonna, it's kind of fearful. But at the same time, you know that there's a benefit at the end, meaning that you're either going to learn that this is something that you want to do or something that you don't want to do. Because um, sometimes you have to put yourself out there and experience something first before you can make a decision if it's something that you want to do and it's scary right so yeah yeah so sometimes we have to put ourselves in that situation and I mean I would say that anybody if you you know if you're at least 25 you've probably experienced some level of fear of something whether it was um you know graduating high school and saying I don't know what I'm going to do or if you do know what you're going to do going to college because now you're on your own you know, there, there's always something. We've all experienced it. So focusing mm-hmm. on the everybody has, but then not spending so much time in the fear, but spending more time on here's what happened because of the fear. Mm-hmm. So you graduated high school, which was, you know, you're going to at some point. Um, you decided to go to college for a reason, and then you went to college. What was the benefit of that? If you're 25, you might have already graduated. So the benefit of that was now you've got a four-year degree that you can now apply and you are more qualified for higher paying jobs that are going to lead you down a path of, you know, more success. Or you did this, now you can start your own business. You know, so there's the fear leads to something and it's good or bad. And if it's bad, that's okay. It's it's a learning experience. Now you know. But if you have fear and you don't, jump into it either hesitantly or you know all in you're never going to know so you're going to you're going to stay stagnant and it depends on if you're okay with that or not i'm just not (laughs) i'm definitely not No. no that's right and you're never ever ever going to know if it's the right or wrong decision until you make a decision and try exactly exactly like you just have to pick one and if it doesn't turn out, that's okay. Now you know, yeah. and you can do something else. Exactly. But we also know too that once we've done it, and if you, so that moment that you do, an example is like getting on camera. So a lot of people are like, mm-hmm. I don't want to create my first video. And it's that fear of being on camera. But mm-hmm. once you hit record and it's done, just like a to-do list, you know, you've got all the, it's not fearful, but you're just like, Ugh. but once you cross things off, you're like, oh, that felt great. Now you've got something that feels even greater because there was fear tied to it. And now you've accomplished it and it's energizing. And when you focus on that, that is something that can help you take that next step or try that next thing. But if you don't, if you allow fear to hold you back, you're just going to become more fearful. So it's a choice. Mm. Mm. I love how you framed that. That's so good. I love it. I'm repeating it in my head. I'm going to have to watch this back. (laughs) Vicky, thank you so much for this conversation. I'm feeling really invigorated and excited, you know, after speaking with you. And I feel like I could just continue this conversation for hours. But, um, you know, we both need to get on you with with your day and me, I guess, with my evening. But Again, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat and I hope to talk to you again soon. Oh, thanks so much, Rosie. It's been an honor to have this conversation with you and uh, to just, you know, 
get to know you a little bit and just experience this process with you as well. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you. If this episode resonated with you at all, could I please ask that you share it with a friend who you think could get value from it? And whilst you're doing that, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. And whilst you're following or subscribing, please leave us um, a rating, preferably five stars, and also a written review. Doing each of these things is going to help this podcast reach more people and impact more lives, which is at the end of the day is what we're here to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Remember, you matter, you're worth it, and you are so, so capable. Take care of yourself, and I'll see you next week.